we've all seen it, maybe even experienced it. The new kid at school who gets picked last for the basketball game at recess, or even worse, doesn't get invited to play at all, no fair. The more qualified candidate who gets overlooked for the job because they weren't in with the right people, no fair. The person who gets ignored at the car dealership by the salesperson because they walked in wearing a hoodie unlike the gentleman behind them wearing the fancy suit. No fair. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt unequal? Have you ever been in a situation where you maybe felt unwelcome because like you just didn't fit in? Can you remember a time in your life when you were, were passed by or overlooked, not treated fairly, maybe because of your, your social standing or maybe your race or your background? And do you remember how that made you feel? Our world is not fair, okay? Inequality is everywhere. Favoritism is an issue. But here's the thing, here's the thing. We don't tend to see it when we are the favorites. Okay, we've been reminded again this past season of just how truly unfair and unequal our culture and our world is with issues surrounding race and uh, global medical support in the third world in relation to the COVID pandemic. And, and of course, right here at home with the tragic circumstances surrounding residential schools. No fair. No fair. This world is not fair. It is not just. And people are not treated equally. Favoritism abounds and it's... It's wrong. You see, it was supposed to be different than this. And it is different, or at least supposed to be different in the kingdom of God amongst followers of Jesus. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that where justice is meant to flow like a river. This world is not fair. People are not treated equally, but it's supposed to be different in the church. It's supposed to be different with us. But is it? Like, is it? Maybe sometimes we get, we get glimpses of what equality and fairness looks like inside the kingdom of God, but are we, are we completely free from favoritism? prejudicial and judgmental attitudes, biases? Is the church like a place where comparison isn't an issue? Where every person is treated with the same opportunities and dignity and respect, where everyone is welcome to experience the same level of community and family, like free from, from cliques, and in-groups, 
Well, I, I think we'd like to say that's true, but if we we're being completely honest, we would also probably say that, that we have a long way to go. That there's plenty of space to grow when it comes to the issue of equality, of fairness. That much like the church that James was writing to, as we're going to consider today, we also sometimes need a reminder that things are supposed to be different in the kingdom of God. That our call is to be countercultural when it comes to issues of justice and equality. That this is meant to be different. Turn to James chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 with me in your Bible or on your device. The dangers of favoritism and inequality. That's what James is addressing in these 13 verses. And he's likely writing this warning because he had likely seen it happen. He's likely not writing this warning as a a just in case. As the leader in the mother church in Jerusalem, James had likely seen this issue rear its ugly head. Like maybe a rich, well-dressed, well-connected person enters the church and the elders fall all over them, making sure he gets the best seat in the house while completely ignoring the man who entered after, maybe dressed shabbily or maybe, maybe even smelling badly, you know, due to the, the, the hand that life had dealt to him. And James says, no, no. It's not to be this way with you. This has to look different. You know, the book of James really is such an incredible resource for a follower of Jesus. As Andrew's already stated in the first two weeks of this series, it breathes such fresh life into our faith. The book of James takes the things that we fundamentally believe. Yes, I believe this. And it takes those things and it puts skin on them. Like in the real world, if if this is what you believe, well, this is what this looks like, lived out. This is what you should do. This is how your faith actually connects with your life and your behavior. And one of the fundamental connections that James makes and one, one of the ways James tells us we must behave is to live lives of fairness, just lives. Lives that don't show favoritism based on the constructs of our culture. So just how fundamental is this? Well, the idea of justice and equality is woven throughout the entire Bible. In the gospels of Matthew and Mark, one out of every 10 verses somehow references the poor and issues of fairness and justice. In the book of Luke, it's one out of every seven. If we remove the sections of the Old Testament that talk about equality and fairness, much of the Psalms and the writing of the prophets would be gone. They take out the parts of the Bible that address fairness and justice, and it actually becomes unrecognizable. This is a big deal. 
This is a massive part of what our faith looks like with skin on it. Okay, but why? Why does the, does the Bible and this letter from James, why does it put such an emphasis on the idea of favoritism and equality? Well, James kind of gives us the answers to the, some of those questions in our text this morning. So let's read them together. The first 13 verses of James chapter two. My brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and then a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit in the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to who you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, your sin are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, I want to point out some, some reasons why this issue is so crucial if we call ourselves follower of Jesus and seek to live like Jesus lived. To walk as Jesus walked. And firstly, when we don't act fairly, we make ourselves judges. Okay, look at verse four. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? See, when, when we decide who is worthy and is not worthy of something, when we do not treat people equally, when we show favoritism to one group of people over another, we actually set ourselves up as arbitrators of truth or judges. And those are very dangerous waters to swim in for a couple of reasons. Reason number one, we misplace our own status. We forget who we are. By not acting fairly or justly, we, we are basically saying that like we have the stuff. Okay, we can make good calls. We have what it takes to be able to say that our judgments and our opinions are actually trustworthy. That our decisions are unarguably the correct decisions. 
But see, we don't have the stuff to do that. Our judgments aren't always trustworthy. We are flawed judges. Because we all have weaknesses, we all have hurts, we all have biases, we all have sins. And all of these affect how we see the world. And so our judgments, well, they're just not trustworthy. You know, there's an old saying that says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Okay, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Well, what makes this ground so level? It's the awfulness of our sin, the terrible price that Jesus paid to forgive those sins and the love that he showed for all people. You see, in the shadow of the cross, we're vividly reminded that we are not worthy judges. Rather, we deserved judgment. But instead, we receive grace. And that's why inequality has no place to stand at the foot of the cross. How can we say who is worthy of something when we understand that that we weren't worthy of anything without the grace of Jesus? See, when you came to the cross, when I came to the cross, our wealth didn't matter, our education didn't matter, our gender didn't matter, the color of our skin did not matter. What mattered was that we were people who God loved and valued, who needed mercy from a merciful God. That was our status. We were the convicted criminal. We were the guilty, set free, not the judge. The soil of the cross is not for a bunch of people who got it right. Rather, it's the beautiful dirt where people who keep getting it wrong are made right. Where they are welcomed no matter their background, no matter their bank account, no matter their social position, education, or race. The ground isn't level anywhere else in the world other than the cross of Calvary, it's level there, which leads to the second danger of setting ourselves up as judges. Reason number two, we misplace Jesus' status. We put ourselves in Jesus's place when we show partiality. Look at verse one, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must show no favoritism. Our glorious Lord, James writes, Colossians 1, 15 and 16 calls him the image of the invisible God in whom all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, things we can see, things we can't see. Not only did Jesus create these things, but even now he's holding them together. He's the glorious Lord. You see, there's a better judge than us. There is someone whose judgments can be trusted. There is someone who is more equipped, who is more merciful and righteous to make the call on who's worthy and and who's not. And when we act unjustly, when we treat people unequally, we take his rightful position. James says, don't do that. Don't do that. If you believe Jesus is the glorious Lord, you do your job. Treat people fairly and let him do his. Secondly, showing favoritism and treating people unequally is actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. 
Okay, as, as followers of Jesus, how we treat people who are different than us, who look different, who act differently, who come from different social and economic backgrounds is actually a reflection of our spiritual health. So how, how we answer this question of fairness and equality, it reveals some things. See, if we're maturing in our faith and becoming more like Jesus, or if we're still spiritual infants who don't resemble Jesus in the least. See, the goal of the Christian life is transformation. More precisely, to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. The same Jesus who treated everyone equally and showed no partiality to anyone. You know, I love looking at the people that Jesus ate with, that he hung out with in the gospels, religious people, morally bankrupt people, misunderstood people, sick people, unclean people, Jewish people, Gentile people, rich people, poor people. It didn't matter. Jesus treated everyone with the same love, respect, and dignity. And the Christian life is fully about taking on the image of that Jesus more and more. Now, Romans 2.11 says, God does not show favoritism. I love the way that the NLT version states the same truth in Ephesians 6.9. It says, God has no favorites. God has no favorites. So if the goal is to take on the character of Jesus, we want to be able to say, I have no favorites. Compass has no, no favorites. Real faith, maturing faith, authentic and genuine faith, as it grows, it begins to treat people more equally. It sees value in everyone and it brings dignity to everyone. And if we aren't actually growing in our ability to treat people fairly and justly, we're actually kidding ourselves if we think we're growing spiritually and becoming more like Jesus, if we're hanging on to, to biases based on external things that we see in people, we're really just content to be, to be spiritual babies, really. And, and you know, I, I love that James just doesn't tell us to act fairly. He actually, he actually tells us how. <laughs> Mercy. Mercy. Mercy is the answer for our judgments. Hey, we, we all have biases. Can we, can we just admit that? Because whether we want to admit it or not, we judge people. We do. Every day, we make decisions about how we treat people based on externals, based on their appearance, how they might act, maybe their age, maybe their gender, maybe their money, maybe their education, maybe their achievements or lack thereof, those things. And maybe it's because of how we were brought up or maybe because of an experience that happened to us, but somewhere along the way in life, we, we kind of pick up these belief systems and assumptions about people. And man, those belief systems, they can be 
tough to break, can't they? James shows us how to break them. Look at verses 12 and 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who does not, who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James reminds us that we have received freedom because God had a choice. When he he looked at your rebellion, my rebellion and, and sin, he could choose judgment. He could do that. He's God. Or he could choose mercy. He chose mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is, it's a choice, ultimately. Mercy is that choice you make when you see somebody suffering and you decide to actually step in and do something to show compassion rather than ignore it. Mercy is that choice you make when your enemy mistreats you and instead of firing back, you show kindness and forgiveness. Mercy is that choice you make when you have the power and and maybe even the right to punish someone and you choose not to instead. Mercy is a choice that God made concerning us and it triumphs over judgment. Mercy wins. And mercy helps us overcome the biases that have formed in our hearts. Here's how it does that. See, mercy is the choice we make when someone different than us, someone we have preconceived judgments towards, someone that we have these assumptions about, oh, I know about you. I know your type. I know how how this goes down. I I know what you deserve. Mercy says, no. I'm going to put my opinions and my biases aside and I'm going to give you the same chance I'd give anybody else. Actually, I'm going to give you the same chance that I would want. You know, over this COVID season, I've I've had the privilege to volunteer a little bit at our local food bank uh, by just helping like load these food hampers into the back of people's cars. But it has been much more than just loading boxes into people's cars. It's actually, moment of confession, it's, it's, it's exposed some ugly biases that I've had in my heart. They were subtle, but present. You know, I think sometimes we're in, we're, we're in situations dealing with the disadvantaged. It's kind of easy to fall into the trap of judgment and bias and favoritism, right? Like it must've been some poor life decisions that got you to this place. That's a pretty nice vehicle for somebody who's using a food bank. That's a better car than I drive. Like, can't you just get things together? Okay, but it's been a season of mercy triumphing over, over judgment because as I've had a chance to get to know and have some conversations and hear some stories and, and really make friends with some of the, these folks, I've realized that much of my biases were wrong. 
It was not poor life decisions. It was living in this poor life that led to this. Oh yeah, and that nice car that they're driving, it's actually their neighbors who lent it to them to come to the food bank because their car is broken down or they don't have one. And they can't get their life together because their life is just falling apart. Loss of a job, loss of a loved one. See, James tells us to remember the choice that God made when he, he could have chosen punishment and judgment. He chose mercy. And when we come across someone who we have biases and assumptions about, make the same choice. Don't judge them, choose mercy. Mercy is a beautiful and powerful thing. Okay, and, and finally, favoritism and, and unfairness actually is incompatible with the gospel. A favoritism and unfairness is incompatible with the gospel. You know, I was on vacation last week and it was kind of a rainy week. So we decided to do some renovations in our front hallway. And one of the things we did along with some painting and redecorating was we replaced some, some lighting. So we purchased this, this like nice new modern light fixture. And I thought it would be really easy to replace the old one, to quickly replace the old fixture. But we soon discovered that it was not so easy. Okay, we live in an old century home built in 1888. And if any of you live in an old house, you know when it comes to renovations, nothing is easy. Every little job you enter into has the potential to be a box of crazy. Well, the old lighting and the old wiring and the old supporting bracket that was there, it was so old, it was actually incompatible with the new modern light that we had purchased. And so like I called a friend over to help who's much more handy than I, doesn't take much. And he was kind of looking at it and working at it. And he took off these like old square bolts that were holding the old bracket in place and took that down. And he said, you might want to hang on to these. You might want to take them to the Dufferin County Museum because these are antiques. And he had to replace all the hardware, all the old lighting bracket. He said, there was no way that this new light would fit with this old fixture. They're incompatible, Jake. They would never fit. And partiality and favoritism and injustice, inequality is incompatible with faith in Jesus and the mission that he's called us to. They don't fit. And they never will. There will be no power flowing through the wiring of the Holy Spirit. There will be no light shining in dark places if we don't replace the old fixtures of our hearts with the new ones that God has given us. Look at verses eight and nine. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But, 
If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Okay, if you're new to faith or you don't know what James is referring to here as the royal law, he's talking about something we commonly call the great commandment. It's kind of like the manifesto of living for a follower of of Jesus. In Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing? Like we got all these laws that Moses gave us. We've got the ones that we've kind of made up ourselves. Now you're teaching us some new things. So could you just like sum it up for us? What is the greatest commandment? Like what should we spend our lives on? And so Jesus tells them, he says two things. All the laws of the prophets and my teaching, they depend on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love God. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the royal law that James is writing about. That's our ultimate call to love God and to love people the same way we love ourselves. This is the goal. This is the royal law. This is what King Jesus wants. And in verse nine, James writes, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law. He calls us royal law breakers if we show favoritism, injustice, if we don't live in a way that's fair and just and equal. And I want to say that that does not mean that we have to pretend there are not differences between us. Thankfully, God didn't didn't make us all, all the same. We're diverse. It's beautiful. It doesn't mean there won't be times and and circumstances that that will mean that things won't like exactly be the same for all of us. Okay, I I treat my 19-year-old a little differently sometimes than I treat my 14-year-old based on age, maturity, lots of factors. But here's what it does mean. It means that if we are making decisions based on biases, favoritism, prejudice, or for our own benefit, we are incompatible with the nature of God and the mission that God has called us to. We are an old light in a dark hallway. And we are not shining the new life that Jesus has given to us. We have all been made in the image of God. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. I started out by asking if you've ever been treated unfairly. If there's ever time in your life where you felt judged or mistreated or experienced something that was unjust. And I asked you how that made you feel. I'm going to put it another way. If God showed favoritism to you based on how you measure up, if he decided how he was going to treat you based on your own merits, if he based his judgment on us according to our selfishness and our pride and our secret sins and actions, 
how would you feel? If God favored you on anything other than his mercy, how would you feel? Like, are there, are there any of us that would stand up with confidence and say, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll take that. Or would we all kneel at the level ground of the cross where we receive mercy and grace? Where are the areas of your life where there is prejudice? Where are the places in your heart where you have biases based on belief systems that maybe you've been taught or that have formed because of maybe some negative experiences? Who are the people in your life that you're not treating fairly because they're different? And who are you giving preferential treatment to because they're the same? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Hey, let's, let's pray and ask God to fill our hearts with mercy. Would you do that with me? Father, this world is not fair. There's injustice and racism and hatred and favoritism and inequality. And yet right in the middle of all of that, in this world, you ask us to be different. To welcome people into a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and mercy. Lord, we confess that there have been hurts and wrong belief systems that have led to biases in our hearts but Lord, we long that you would remove them. We can't do that by ourselves. Only you can do that. We thank you that mercy triumphs, that the cross was also a place of unfairness because it would have been fair that we receive judgment for our sin, but in its shadow instead we receive mercy. Thank you. We ask that that same mercy would flood our hearts and break down the walls of favoritism and inequality that have been built up. Father, grow us more and more to be like Jesus today than we were yesterday. Thanks, God. Amen.